welcome to episode 79 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with last one to leave the theater.com and atlcw.tv. And I, I'm back. I know you guys missed me. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Our fearless leader has returned. A fearless leader is staring at a puppy on the floor right now, waiting for her to do the next thing that I'm going to have to yell at her about. What are you eating? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and how, uh, okay. how many seconds Sorry. into the podcast was that? <laughs> it's funny because this this is a lot more... Um, this is my last dog. I had a, a Yorkie for 16 years, and when I got her... Apparently, I was just blessed with a little angel dog who only, like, went to the bathroom in the wrong place once and uh, understood the meaning of no. Uh, Fozzie, on the other hand, cute as can be, uh, chooses not to learn the meaning of no and just wants to put everything in her mouth all the time. And her new favorite toy is doorstops, which is great. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's been a... It's been a fun, it's been a fun two weeks so far, I guess almost two weeks, but she's, well, you guys have both met her. She's adorable. She is adorable. Oh my God. Yeah. The videos make it all worth it. She's just a, a, uh, now, now she's playing. So if you hear random dog noises in the background or me yelling or clapping, just ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) This is how it's going to be for the next few months. It's going to be the Fozzie podcast. Yeah, exactly. I would hold her in my lap, but she's, uh. She's literally, like, walking around my room right now seeing what she can get into. Like, and she's grown enough in the last week and a half that now she can knock over things on the table, which she did with my water today. (laughs) So she used to not be able to reach it when I first got her, and she's already, like, a week and a half later grown enough to be able to. So it's kind of (laughs) crazy. Um, anyways, let's, uh, let's dive into the podcast because I'm sure I'm going to be momentarily distracted by her doing something. Um, well, I know that one of our podcast members is in Rome today. I am. I'm in beautiful downtown Rome for the Rome International Film Festival. I'm just, we should just keep going like this and let people believe that you're in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> Let's just do it. Um, <laughs> I would, well, but, gonna... but uh, Burt Reynolds is coming, and so, um, and he's he's a Georgia boy, so um, I, I just don't think we can pull that off. Fair enough. Um, well, he's he's uh, doing something tonight there, right? Uh, no, on, oh, uh, actually, he will be here Saturday and Sunday, and Saturday, uh, the Rome Film Festival is showing the. 40th anniversary of Smokey and the Bandit. And so Bert will be here. He's actually coming in Friday afternoon. Um, I'll be attending a press conference for him. And then on Saturday, we'll be Smoking the Bandit. And then Sunday, he's showing his new film, um, Dog Years. Cool. Very cool. Um, so is that, are you going to have interview footage for us? Can we, can we have an interview with him? Um, well, week? I'll try. I'll try. Well, you know, it's, you never know with what the setup's going to be, but, um, and how big it's going to be. Um, right. Um, I, we, Matt, Matt and I both went to a press conference at the Macon Film Festival a couple of years ago when they showed a, um, a, uh, regional 35 millimeter print of Deliverance. 
And uh, so we, we sat in on the press conference a couple of years ago. And that was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's a bunch of good films here. And the people here are incredibly nice. Um, and as you guys know, the party after parties are amazing. <laughs> I'm really sad that I'm not going to get to go to those yeah. this year. Those were some of the best after parties ever. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and um, I'm looking forward also to seeing uh, a bunch of our uh, critic friends um, are coming, um, especially uh, Cameron McAllister from um, that programs this film festival. He's with the, he's the associate director of the Atlanta Film Festival, um, and he's, he always brings a bunch of people with him to, to watch films. They have expanded it this year, so now there's actually two theaters instead of just the uh, DeSoto Theater. Um, so that's that means there's a lot more films to watch, which is great because I've already seen a couple of the films that they're they're playing. I saw a couple of the films they're playing here at uh, South by, but it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'm looking forward to it. What are you seeing tonight? What's the uh, tonight the big is one? a documentary called um, Man Killer. Man Killer, yes, it's a yeah, yeah and um, it's a, about a uh, a woman who is the first Indian uh, police chief in this county. Um, and so it's going to, and it should be, and the, the filmmaker's going to be here tonight, and so that'll be a lot of fun. And that's always, when you, if you're interested in uh, making films or, or being a film critic, film festivals are, are the best place to go and attend because you can talk to filmmakers, you can attend workshops, they've got a couple of workshops here, uh, one is uh, with one of the animators on um, on. Um, oh, I'm blanking now. It's the the uh, the, the adult spy. Um, Archer. 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 Yeah, and then uh, they've got a. Couple. I don't know if I'd call Archer an adult, but I mean, I guess <laughs> technically he is. But. Well, I mean, adult adult comedy. Adult. Yeah, no, animated, I, I know. I'm just comedy. I'm being obnoxious. And then. Um, <laughs> And there's a, there's a couple other master classes on um, on some other topics, so it's it's really cool. It's a lot of fun, and you get to see a lot of films, films that you wouldn't normally see. Um, there are some mainstream films playing here, but there's also a lot of smaller films. And they also try to program, as the Atlanta Film Fest does, um, try to program a lot of Georgia films into the into the mix. That's cool. Well, well we're sad we're missing out this year. Seriously, and I really wanted to see um, because Mankiller is actually um, Gail Ann Hurd's project. Uh, she's the executive producer on that, and she, of course, is an executive producer on Walking Dead. And they had a screening for that a couple of weeks back, and I missed out on that and was hopeful that I was going to get to see it at uh, Rome, but alas, that did, did not work out. So you'll have to let us know how it is. I really want to see it. Yep. Um, well, cool, cool. Well, speaking of film festivals and movies and award, I don't know, I'm just going to go straight into it. Award season. (laughs) Boom. Award Um, season is here. Award season is here. We're starting, a lot of the screeners, we're starting to see our movies that'll be up for the Oscars and Golden Globes and all of the award season awesomeness. And one thing that we've been following that's been kind of an interesting conversation is everything that's been going on with Disney and, uh... That's uh, that's been a hot topic of conversation this last week. Do you guys want to talk yeah. a little bit about that? 
Yeah, but basically what happened is the LA Times uh, did a rather scathing article on Disney and on the property values in uh, Anaheim. And they did actually like three or four articles. And basically uh, Disney uh, got mad and revoked all their credentials so they couldn't go to like uh, go see Thor or uh, go interview uh, stars of Disney or Marvel movies. Um, and basically when that came out, which was the day of the Thor um, release, uh, a number of, I think it was like four or five different uh, film critics associations then said that they would no longer consider any Disney uh, movies in contention for their awards uh, for the end of the year awards. Um, and I know that there were also some uh, uh some very big name critics also said that in our group, um, the Atlanta uh, film circle um, also uh, was going to say that we weren't going to use uh, Disney in our uh, best of the year awards. Um, but as soon as all the film critics started basically saying, you're not going to be counted, Disney gave back the credentials to the LA times. But it's such an interesting conversation. I know we were kind of talking about whether or not Disney has, you know, the right to do that. And I mean, they obviously have the right to do it, but then the critics obviously have the right to not um, include their their movies for consideration. And there was a bunch of um, uh, journalists that came forward, uh, film writers at New York Times, Washington Post, AV Club, all announcing boycotts of the press screenings. Um, so what do you guys think? Do you think this was something that Disney had the right to do or? I mean, what? yeah, of course they have the right to do it, but I mean, they definitely should it. And it does raise some controversial issues, I think, because I mean, I think this goes beyond the fact that it's, you know, it's a screening for a movie. Like, I think that's, that fact should be ignored. It's the fact that basically Disney didn't like something that was negative about them that like an official newspaper wrote. Like this wasn't right. some random blogger typing up something about Disney that saying, oh, now you're not going to see our movies because you wrote this negative piece about us. No, this is, I mean, it's, it's the LA Times. They're a legit news source. And so it's just the fact that, hey, you have this giant organization who is revoking access because of something negative said to, pre to a press organization. I think right. that's the bigger picture here. Yeah, and, and I mean, we, we as, as, as film critics, we're always aware of that um, and we're very thankful that we do get access, that we do. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, all three of us try to keep in mind, that we try to be professional, we try to be fair-minded. Um, you know, we don't hold grudges against anybody or any film or any director. Um, we try to go in with an open mind into in these screenings, and we but we also know it's a privilege that we're we're getting uh, we're getting to see the film. So that's that's the one hand is that. But at the same time, it's not going to stop me from writing a negative review of a film, um, even if right. I've met the director or I've interviewed the stars. If I think a film is bad, I'm going to tell you it's bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's it's uh, it's it's an interesting topic, and it's something that um, we've actually discussed before. Um, this has come up a couple of times. 
um, with uh, with companies um, and and uh, you know saying you can't cover our product anymore. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting thought, but I, like I said, it's not going to stop me from writing a bad review because um, I don't I don't I see bad movies, so you don't have to see bad movies. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's I you know that's the way I feel is I'm trying I want you and I want you to go see the good movies. I want you to go see the really good movies and the the, the smaller films that you might not want to might not know about. But I want to also keep want to save you some money and not. You know, not see uh, a, a bad film. And I mean, usually there's also there, there's that layers, those there's the layers. It's like when we review movies, like we are not sending our reviews directly to Disney. You know, we send them to the PR firm. Like with, over here, it's Allied. So like, there's that separation. I think where it's like we're not talking directly with Disney. Right, and I feel like if we give a negative review to a movie, we're also not the only one doing it. So yeah. it's not like, you know, we, we're really standing out and everyone else is praising and loving the movie. So that's kind of an additional, I and guess. And even, even then, like, even if that was the case, like, that should technically be fine. I mean, like... Yeah, unless not- <laughs> unless you're trying to do what... What's the, the film critic's name that always is the opposite of everybody else because he just likes to stir the pot? Armin White. Yeah. And even then, he's not he's not banned. Like he's still reviewing films and all that. Like he's not banned, so I mean he gave, he gave a good review to the emoji movie. I mean that's <laughs> I don't I don't pay attention to him. Well there was. I don't remember who it was, but um has have all of you guys finished uh, Stranger Things? Yes. 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 I have finally done so, that. So that, you know, and I'm not gonna dive into spoilers for those that haven't that held up really, really well, I think, to season one. Like, it, I, I love what they did with it. I think it stayed very true to the tone of the series, and it was just as exciting, if not more exciting, than season one. And I remember it was like the day before um, the series released, um, season two released, there was someone that was like, um, and it was at a major outlet, that was saying it doesn't hold up to hype. And it's like sometimes you just have those journalists that are going to publish negative things because they want... They want do the just that. Yeah, they just want to stir the pot. My dog just yeah. found her, her squeaky toy, so I apologize. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. that doesn't sound I mean, loud. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed Stranger Things, the se- second season. I wouldn't quite say it's as good as the first season, just because I thought the first season was just absolutely perfect and amazing. And so it's it's really good, like... First season would be like an A plus. Second season would be an A. So it's like, well, and you also when you when you do a when you do a second season, and especially this where there's there's such a long wait between the two seasons, um, that that first experience is unique because of the fact that you're getting to know the characters and you're being introduced to the characters, and that was some of the 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 greatness of that first season was that we fell in love with these characters. Now that you already know the characters, that that newness, that that discovery, is is kind of gone. So therefore, I always feel like, well, the second season is can be really good, but it probably is not going to be as good as the first season because first season you were learning everything, you were learning about this world and learning about these characters and their relationships. And in the second season, you already know these relationships, you know the world, you kind of also kind of expect what's going to happen because of that first season laid down some rules. Yeah. Right. 
well, if you haven't finished watching season two yet or haven't started watching season two or Stranger Things in general, you should probably get on that because it's pretty awesome. Um, I was actually really happy that I guess there wasn't anything that was truly like a huge spoiler that could have came out of that. There was nothing like, you know, Glenn's death on The Walking Dead or anything that was a huge, huge spoiler in season two. Um, but, you know, they, they did leave a cliffhanger for us for, for season three. And I would bet that that's probably going to start filming here pretty soon. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, well, let's move right along. Let's go into our box office report. Um, you guys saw both of the films that are in the, the top two spots, um, Thor and A Bad Mom's Christmas. And, of course, Thor drastically beat A Bad Mom's <laughs> Christmas. Yes. Thor as, destroyed everything, as we, <laughs> as we all fully expected. Yep. Um, Thor came in first with $122 million, um, and of course had a production budget of $180 million. Bad Mom's Christmas is in second with $16.7 million, followed by Jigsaw in third. Uh, in fourth was Tyler Perry's Boo 2, A Medea Halloween, and Geostorm somehow still in the top five. How was that? How was that possible? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I don't know what you guys predicted for this week I, with Thor, I, but... I finally beat Mike in one of them. Did you? What did you guys say? What I was said, your I said 120. I think Mike said like 110 to 115. Yeah, I did 110, 110 to 115, so I was a little and under. I said 120, so... Ah. <laughs> nice. First and last time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I've heard that, um, of course, you guys loved Thor, and pretty much everyone I know that has seen it loved Thor, and I, of course... Except for it. probably Armin White. Except, yeah, of course. Um, I I did not see it because of the, the little one who was here, that she was here during the second screening and the first screening, of course, I was at Walker Stalker Con, so... I missed out. I've got to go see. And I'm going to miss Justice League next week because I'm going to be in L.A. So I'm going to have to see both of those movies and actually pay to go see them, which is something I'm not accustomed to. Movie pass. But, huh? Movie pass. Movie. Yeah, I know. I need to I need to get that, especially for award season and all of the screeners that I have. I need to catch up on. Well, hopefully we'll get screeners for those. That's nice. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um well, for, for next week, do you guys have any predictions of how you think things are going to fall at the box office? I, it's still going to be Thor. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. It, it, Thor is still going to do big money. I mean, if you look at this week, it's been doing between 8 and $12 million each day. Um, so it's just and, – and the word of mouth on it is, is amazing. And also, people were going to see it a second time just because you're laughing and you miss some of the lines. Um, and so I think, you know, you're looking at probably in the, I don't know, 55 to $60 million range. Um, I, I, cause I, I think it's going to have legs and it's going to be around for a while. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of, uh, new movies, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which we're going to review. And I think that'll probably come in second, um, around, I don't know, between 20 and 25, um, and then with another new movie, the sequel to Daddy's Home, Daddy's Home 2, uh, Mel Gibson and um, um, who am I? I can't remember his name now. Will Ferrell. Yeah, Will Ferrell. But, but I'm talking about the, the other father. Um, I can see his face. Oh, um, 
Well, anyway, it's it's yeah. releasing. Um, you know, sequels have recently sequels have not done very well, um, especially sequels that were weren't huge hits to begin with. Um, and I think Daddy's Home is going to do probably around twenty million dollars. Um, so that's my predictions. How do you guys think, um, I mean, we're still a week out from Justice League, but how do you think Justice League is going to perform next to Thor? I think, it's, I think it'll be bigger than Thor, probably. I mean, the whole DC movies, they're not that good. <laughs> Critics-wise, <laughs> critics but I mean, they are still making huge bucks. I mean, like, Suicide Squad... That was one of the worst reviewed movies, but like it was one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest box office draws. So I mean, I still think Justice League is going to do huge numbers. And, and it's helped. It's helped by the fact that Wonder Woman is in it, um, and it's also helped by the fact that you're introducing a couple of new characters um, in Aquaman and in the Flash. Um, so I think that's going to help uh, a, a great deal. Um, but not also, Cyborg. Nobody cares about Cyborg. No, nobody cares about Cyborg because nobody knows what's, who Cyborg is unless you're a comic book nerd. Um, but but I think the fact that Wonder Woman's in it and Wonder Woman did so well and Wonder Woman was uh, a major success both critically and financially uh, will will greatly aid this movie if, if she wasn't in it. I think it would be hurt a little bit. Well, um, let's jump into our film review portion for this week. Uh, you guys saw Murder on the Orient Express, which I really, really wanted to see. So I'm hoping you're going to tell me that it was awesome and that I should go see it. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Which one of you guys want to set this one up? I'll set it up. Why not? So basically the movie is it's a, a murder mystery where it follows um, basically the private detective Hercule Poirot. No, Poirot. Poirot. I don't know how to say his name. All these names are hard to pronounce. But basically, he's like he's like this Sherlock Holmes kind of detective, where he's like super good at what he does, and he solves every crime. And he's he's currently on a break. He's coming back from Istanbul, and he is riding the Orient Express which is a train and um, him and a bunch of other seemingly random people are aboard the train like all these you know it's a cast of characters with this ensemble cast you know you've got um, Josh Gad, Penelope Cruz, William Dafoe, Judy Dench, Johnny Depp, Michelle Pfeiffer, Daisy Ridley it's like all these big names they all play these quite eccentric characters and um Somebody gets killed. One of them is killed, and basically it's up to him to figure out who the killer is. And, you know, everybody's on the train. They're trapped on the train because of a, a snow snowstorm. They get trapped. And so basically he's trying to figure out who the murderer is. Um, Mike, I think, I think we should actually say who is killed. Because that would actually benefit the movie more, <laughs> I think. So, like, you know, you don't know who is killed in the trailers and stuff, but like, it happens pretty early on in the let's, film. Let's let's let's, let's so, don't, don't let's don't say who it is, but let's just say you're happy that it happens. 
I mean, it's 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 it, honestly it's pretty. It's really the only way they could have done the film, I think, because I mean, otherwise it'd be like too obvious. Like, oh yes, he's the murderer or she's the murderer, and blah blah blah. And so I mean, it makes the most sense that this person would be killed. I'm like looking through the cast list now, trying to figure out from like what you said. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's pretty it's kind of it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So so this is a <laughs> this is an Agatha Christie uh, mystery, and Agatha Christie is one of the most prolific writers ever. Um, and this film is this this story has been made before. It was made in 1974, once again with an all star cast. Um, I don't for when I remember seeing the film. I didn't particularly like the film. Um, I think uh, this this one is better than the 1974 version, um, and the cinematography in this film is amazing. They shot it on 65 millimeter, so if you are interested in seeing this movie, go see it in the theater uh, because it is just gorgeous. There's some amazing shots. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, um, who obviously is the star of the movie, also directed the film. Yeah. This is actually his second movie to be shot in 65 millimeter. Yeah, it's uh, the first first being Hamlet in 1960 or excuse me 1996, not 1969, 1996. Like that. <laughs> it's not that old. Nah. Um, well, that's cool. I'm, I'm going through my fun facts as you guys talk, so I can, I can, you know, bring that back to. Well, you guys had some fun facts last week. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, all right, well, jumping right into it. Um, on a scale of one to five, how bored were you guys during this? Uh, I'd give it a two. I mean, it's not that boring. Um, like I said earlier, it's a murder mystery, so like you're constantly, you know, following along with the clues and trying to figure out who the killer is, and you know, there's a lot of misdirection, a lot of a lot of confusion, a lot of he said, she said kind of things. So I mean, there's it's pretty constant with that. So, I mean, like, you're not really bored. Um, it does get a little boring towards the end as things start to wrap up, I will say. And that's that's where the movie's greatest weakness is. But um, mm-hmm. the first half of the film is really, really solid. Yeah, I'd give it a 2.5 um, for two reasons. Uh, the first one is, I since I had seen the 1974 film and I'd read the book, um, I already knew what was going to happen. Um, so therefore, Matt saw it with fresh eyes because he had never seen the original and not, not had read the book. Um, the second reason is that this film constantly is giving you information. And it I don't like when films give you everything. They, they, they spoon-fed you everything. I like for films to let some things be out there and you kind of try to figure it out on your own and we get way too much information on each one of these characters i mean it is perose the way he he does he basically diagnoses a person and can tell almost instantly whether or not they're lying um, whether or not they're not giving enough information um but we just get way too much information in this film gotcha well, on a scale of one to five, uh, were you guys rolling your eyes? Or how much were you rolling your eyes? Um, I'd give it a three. It's a little it's a little outrageous, a little over the top, especially with the, the very all the various characters. 
um, some in particular, like, um, I don't know, I was rolling my eyes at Daisy Ridley's character a lot for some reason. I'll talk, I'll, t- I'll talk about that reason a little, little bit later. <laughs> uh oh, somebody's gonna but, get um, worse, worse after. <laughs> I can feel it coming. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, there is a lot to take into, and sometimes, sometimes the humor doesn't land either. So, um, yeah, I'm giving it a three. I would give it a two, just because once again, I would, I'm, they, I, the, the, these. The novel and this movie are in line with each other, and Perot is a a over the top character because he's got basically he's got OCD, and um, you know so little things bother him, like somebody's tie not being straight. Or uh, there's a very funny scene near the beginning of the movie where he orders two hard boiled eggs, and he sends them back because they're not the same height. Um, you know they're not not lined up. They're not perfect, um, and so he's just a very uh, peculiar character um, with a lot of quirks. Um, so I gave it a two. I mean, I was expecting it, and that's what that character is. I mean, um, and you know, it, this is a very famous character. Also, I mean, he, he's the best-selling book. Um, it was a uh, BBC uh, series for a long time uh, that you could see on PBS, and of course, like I said, 1974 film also. So. I, I, I give it a little less of than, than Matt Gilgan. So, fun fact, uh, this was actually first published in 1934. So It's been around cool. for a while. It's, it's been around for a hot second. Um, there's also some other kind of interesting casting. It's always interesting to see who is being considered for, for roles. And then, you know, after you've seen the film, you kind of like, Think if you can picture this actor or this actress in the role. But um, Angelina Jolie was originally attached to the project in the role of Mrs. Hubbard, but dropped out. Um, then Charlize Theron was also courted for the role, but in the end, my, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was cast. Can you guys see Angelina Jolie playing that role? Yeah, I could see her doing that. Not, I, can't, I can't see it the way that, that Michelle Pfeiffer played it. Uh, but yeah, you could, I think either one of those two could have done it. They just would have been, you know, a younger version of the character. Um, you know, right. one, one of the vibes you get from the movie is that this woman is, um, she's not a very happy woman. Um, and she's used to um, being kind of a, a, a gold digger, I guess is the best way to describe it. Gotcha. Um Apparently, the CEO of 20th Century Fox broke off negotiations with Angelina Jolie after several months of her insisting on pretty huge script changes for her role. So, um, that's I, there's a bunch of other ones in here that I feel like are kind of I could be spoilerish because I don't know who who dies. Um, so I, I won't go in I won't go into that. I, I do have um, one fun fact. Go for it. So if they've already said if this film is a success, then there are going to be more of them. There's going to be a sequel or maybe even two more films. Uh, because they, they, and they actually mentioned, they actually set it up. At the end of the film, they set up the next film. Because there's another, where I won't give the destination, but there's a destination that he's getting ready to go to. And it's one of the more famous, it's like Murder on Orient Express. It's another famous um, uh, Agatha Christie novel. And it's been made into movies before, also. Cool. 
Um, well, um, best and worst performance in this. Are you guys gonna? Are you guys gonna hate on our little Star Wars girl here? I don't know. Um, I'm definitely giving the best to Kenneth Branagh because um, I think I thought his character was just a riot. Like he is hilarious. I love, especially his um, interactions with um, Tom Bateman, who's like the proprietor of the the Orient Express. He's like the the guy in charge, and he's their longtime friends. I say in air quotes um, because like just their interactions together are absolutely hilarious because they're so blunt with each other. So um, yeah, I'm giving it to him. I would agree. It's a it's a really really good performance. Uh, it, it's probably. I mean, I'm I'm not a huge fan of, of Agatha Christie, but I've I have watched the PBS uh, BBC series and I have seen the first film. Um, I think he's actually the best. Um, they and there's some really he, there's some really funny stuff. It, it's got a lot more humor uh, than I remember in the books, um, and that really took me by surprise. Um, so I, but I would give it's 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 spread out all, all the way. Well, what about worse? Daisy, I Daisy, mean, Daisy. Aww. Like I, I wouldn't say she's terrible. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, there are definite standouts among the group, like um, Josh Gad, William Defoe. There. And then, like, everybody else just kind of blends into the background. So, I mean... I don't know. I, well, what, did, what did Daisy do that was, was so annoying for it, you, Mike? It's not, it's not what she, she did. It's what she didn't do. There was no substance to her performance. It was like she was a one-trick pony in this film. And I, I never believed um, that she was who she said she was. Um, I, I just thought it was a, a, just a lackluster performance by her. Um, that scares me a little with the fact that we, we weren't so invested in, in this actress with the Star Wars films. Um, but, I, you know, maybe it's a different role. Um, I don't know. Just depend. I think it's going to depend on how dark Star Wars gets. You know, um, right. it just it's got me a little worried because I didn't I didn't see the performance that I saw in the Star Wars film from from her. It just seems like it's just a very shallow um, performance. Gotcha. Well, a random random fun Star Wars fact. Um, Daisy's character was previously played by Vanessa Redgrave, who is the mother-in-law of Liam Neeson, who, of course, is in Star Wars. So not, not the Star Wars movies we like to talk about, but still the Star <laughs> Wars franchise. Um, well, cool. Um, obviously, no Georgia recognition factor here, as it was not filmed in Georgia. Um, I'm actually pulling up where it was filmed. I'm assuming in Europe somewhere. Uh, I don't even yep. know. Like London, yeah. London, England. I mean, most of it looked like it was done on like sets and green screen. Gotcha. Uh, well, on a scale of one to five, where does this one rank for you guys? I would give it a a three point five. Um, it's a fun movie. Um, the, there's a lot of humor to it, and like Mike said, the uh, the cinematography is really really good. Um, the first half is great, and then you know once things start to unravel and um, 
he solves kind of solves the case and kind of you know explains everything um that's where it kind of lost me where it's just like eh, that's i don't know it just i wasn't satisfied by by how it ended i'll say i would give it, you, i would give it a three um i just because of uh brana's performance and the fact that it that it did have that humor um it's about what i expected it was going to be um, just because I know the material so well. Um, so I, uh, Brandon's performance makes it worth seeing. Well, um, I'm not sure what I feel about it now that you guys have, have reviewed <laughs> I mean, it. <laughs> I, think, I think you should still see it. I think it's worth I mean, are are you familiar with the, the story and the novel or, or any of the I'm other not, films? So, I'm so not. You, um, like me, you'll be going into a dark and... Yeah, it's it's one that I've really been looking forward to this year just because I I mean when the trailers first came out it was such a visually, you know, it looked visually stunning it is, and that yeah. was one of the main reasons I I wanted to see it, but also it's such a it is a great cast. Yeah. Um I mean, I'd okay. say it's worth seeing, I yeah. say. Yeah, I agree. All right. I'll make it happen. Um, Along with Thor and Justice League. I know. I I think those are the only, well, and and Lady Bird. I've got to see Lady Bird because you guys are going to review it next week and you you can't spoil it at all because I want to go in not knowing any, well, knowing what it's about, but not knowing any spoilers. So well, we don't we don't do spoilers. Yeah, and it's and that movie is the way it's the storyline is it's there's would be really hard to give a ton of spoilers because it's it's a very interesting movie that it's a year in the life of a high school student. Gotcha. Well, um, we're gonna have a bunch of stuff next week. Uh, we of course, have the Justice League review and the Lady Bird review, but we're also going to have. Um, I'm actually headed out to Atlanta Botanical Gardens tonight for their media preview of the Holiday Lights. So it's officially holiday season here in Atlanta, which is kind of exciting. Um, And there's some other cool stuff going on around town, too, which uh, will have already be over by the time this podcast is up. But they're doing a special screening of The Room tonight um, with a a preview of The Disaster Artist, which I think may actually be my my next uh, screener that I'm signed up for. Um, So we'll have that coming up. And then, of course, I am headed to L.A. for the unveiling of the Kia Stinger, which is going to be Monday through Wednesday in uh in north hollywood so i'll let you guys know how that goes i will be partnered up with good old krista thompson for it so hopefully she'll uh hopefully i'll be doing most of the driving we'll see (laughs) (laughs) but uh hopefully there'll be some some fun stories from that too so we'll have all of that next week and more and uh i think that's it for this week you guys got what project project cosplays next week Oh, yeah. forgot. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. Um, next Thursday, uh, November 16th, is Project Cosplay. Our theme is Justice League. And I'm actually working on... Um, I, I can't confirm yet, but I may have free passes to see Star Wars The Last Jedi if you come to Project Cosplay next week. So, um, that being said, stay tuned to the event page on Facebook for where I will confirm if I'm actually able to make that happen, but if it if it does, it will be The Last Jedi opening night first screening tickets that I have to give away. So, um, 
definitely come out and have some fun for that because it's always fun. I do want to plug one movie that's uh, uh, going to be playing at the plaza. Uh, it's, it's playing at the plaza as we speak. Um, it's called Tragedy Girls. I saw the film at South By. Um, it, if you are a fan of, um, uh, of horror movies, of slasher movies, or if you're a fan of dark comedies, um, uh, like uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, um, go see Tragedy Girls. It's a really fun um, ride about a serial killer and two girls that have are on high school girls that are on social media and trying to catch them. Um, it's a it's a blast to watch and it makes fun of uh, in a, in a black comedy way. It makes fun of the the tropes of horror movies and slasher movies. Isn't that Craig Robinson's movie? Yeah, Craig Robinson is in it. He there's there's quite a few uh, 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 cameo kind of parts. Um, he's he's in it a little bit more than a couple of the other people are, um, but uh, he's in it. Um, also, um, uh, Josh Hutchinson is in it. Um, and there's a couple other people. Uh, Kevin Dunard is Dunard is in it also. Um, Duran, I mean, sorry, Kevin Duran is in it. Um, so it's a really interesting film. Um, it's uh, one of the stars of the, one of the Tragedy Girls is uh, uh, Brianna Hindlebrand, and she was in uh, she was in the uh, she played the Marvel superhero. Uh, I don't remember what her name is, but in um, oh uh, Deadpool. She's the little girl in Deadpool that's teamed up with uh, with the big guy. Oh yeah, Megasonic yeah. teenage warhead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that she's she's the one of the stars in the movie. She's one of the tragedy girls. Um, so if you're looking for a fun movie uh, that I highly and especially if you like horror films, I will tell you it's rather bloody um, and there's a lot of body parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Um... Well, uh, I look forward to hearing all about the Rome Film Festival next week from you, Mike. Hopefully you'll have some, some good stories and some, some good uh, indie pictures that people should check out. Yep. Um, well, cool. That is it for, for this week. And uh, my little dog, who I've been watching this entire time and has had my full <laughs> attention throughout this podcast because she's been going from cord to cord to cord, is now asleep. So I'm glad she decided to wait until the end of the podcast to fall asleep. So, Those cords tired her out. I know, apparently they did. Um, but that's it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening to the Atlas Podcast. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at VanBolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with LastOneToLeadTheTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.